0: Hi everybody, it's the week in the Tackle Podcast. The podcast where we look back at the previous week in football and try to tackle the top stories. I'm Tom Rennie, alongside me is a man who puts us all to shame with his incredible work ethic. It is a man who works for Sirius XMFC you know him from flying over the country with Apple covering MLS. And this week has been on the TV proper with TNT, it's dynamite so I hear. It's only Brian Dunny Dunseth. How are you, mate? You're right. I'm
1: good, Renny. I'm good. By the way, you can actually watch any of our coverage here in the United States. All you gotta do is go over to HBO Max, and you will be able to have the same experience as our <laughs> friends here in the United States have. Oh, is that true? The US Men's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, so I
0: could watch. So next time there's a big game against Check's notes. Uzbekistan or, um, or Oman, I'll Ghana. tune in, shall I? Yes.
1: Yeah, so yeah, they're going to be...
0: We'll get October. to it, because actually, yeah. th- I Op- actually will watch them. There because, you go, yeah. Because, pre- like, I'm not going to talk about the Oman and Uzbekistan games on our Sirius XMFC show, because I don't care. Like, mm. I'll ask you, uh, sure. Actually, that's true. I do. I do get paid to do it. Uh, so I'll do that. But I'm not. I did watch Oman, so I'll ask you about it. Uh, but also, they sound like great games and worthwhile games. So I'm glad you told me that. And also, if you ever um, you know, want to share your Apple yeah. password, you, oh. I mean, it's been a few months now. You get the big bucks. You're on the private yeah. jets. You're like Ric Flair around the country. Jet plane riding, all this sort of stuff. Where's Kay. my password for the Apple, like Family and Friends? Where is yeah, Horsey's
1: got it. Yeah, Hor- oh. Horsey is distributing all the passwords from what I was been told uh, previous to this. Um, but I don't think that's true.
0: I want to get into the US games and your experience of it and uh, and all that because I didn't watch the Oman game because I don't give a about training sorry tim uh so i don't watch a great deal of friendly stuff plus mm. in truth i don't get the work but then i also don't seek the work so i yeah. find the international breaks are a great time to, to to re-engage with my family and stuff which is quite nice um back to work this week and i'm doing um, four days in a row friday through monday so it's gonna be great um before we get into all that though i did just want to mention this uh for new week in the tackle listeners of which there are many uh, around the world and also in the usa too um we like where we are in the charts. It's nice it's nice being top 50 in the US. We were in the top like 20 or so in New Zealand a couple of weeks ago, which is terrific. We love new listeners. But I did realize we haven't done a scrape for reviews uh, mm-hmm. recently. Uh, so we should say, if you are a new listener or an old listener that's never done a review for the program, uh, we love them and we want them. And good ones will read out on the program. Um, so wherever you listen to this podcast, after the show, if you've enjoyed it, give it a five-star review if you can. Um, And also leave us a nice written review as well. The written reviews uh, will read out the best ones. You can also, if you're listening um, as a podcast listener, go to YouTube and watch the show in its entirety. And you can leave comments on the YouTube videos as well. And we'll read out the best ones uh, of those as well. And I just wanted to read this one for you, uh, Dunny, because oh uh, Dunny and I work together on Sirius MFC on various shows there, uh, the number one US soccer chat network, and it's a subscription service. And so, you know, we've got some great sponsors there, but we don't reference them during the shows because they pay our bills. But I love this uh, from Kurt, who says, I assume American must be, right? He says this, <clears throat> I'll do the accent. Oh boy. It says, my favorite entertainment pod. Great interaction between the hosts. It's like the best of Grumpy Pundits on Sirius XMFC without all the erection adverts. What more can you ask?
1: <laughs> there there are a lot of boner horrific. pill like yeah. you know
0: advertisements over. What's on. your favorite That's boner probably... pill, Danny, Would you say? What's the most effective?
1: Uh horsey. What were you recommending the other day?
0: Yes. What was the one you said to take Tim? Do you remember it? No, he doesn't he doesn't really no. want to talk about it. He doesn't want to doesn't talk. talk about it. No, that's Tim, why he keeps Tim, his video Tim off. Tim will during talk this. balls.
1: Tim will talk balls. Tim won't talk boner pills. There, there's, keep, there's a discrepancy here, Tim.
0: He keeps his video off during these uh recordings these days, because he's testing out the pills at the start of the program and he times it for the first Effin and Jeffin as to how erect he is. Let's move on. Um, so review us, give us the, the stars, however many stars we're meant to get, you know, five or ten, the, the maximum amount of stars write a good review, make it funny, make it interesting. Mm. And also just word of mouth too, tell a friend, tell a friend how good the show is if you enjoy it. Uh, and if you don't enjoy it, say how much you hate one of the two hosts and how much you'll enjoy hating whilst like walking to work Probably, um Do the TV star one, as opposed to the lower level radio star. Do, that, that's the one I would slag off because he's a proper celebrity, right? Um, you've been working, Danny, uh, for TNT, yeah. covering the two U.S. games. Look, they were utterly pointless against Uzbekistan and Oman. Mm. Um, prove me wrong.
1: Well, I can tell you the background that U.S. soccer is going to give to you and to us and to the nation was because money. of the expanded format. Well, yeah, money. But because of this expanded format in the World Cup coming up and on top of the fact the United States doesn't have World Cup qualifiers that they're dealing with, just has Nations League, Gold Cup, and what will be um, their 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 version of what are we calling it? Conmebol Copa America? What, what they'll they'll flag whatever the tournament name is. Do the is acronym. So, Do it
0: for, I want the acronym? The world wants the acronym. Yeah, Conme- I, I, Conmebol Copa
1: Yeah, well, it was yeah, Copper it was Conmeconfa com, con, con, uh, Isn't that yeah. something they eat
0: in Willy Wonka? Isn't that Conca, how the fat con- kid gets sucked up the tube? Conker, Augustus, conker, no. conker, conker, I've oh, got a U.S. men's national game for you. That's pretty good. If you can't get Germany or Ghana, you can play a country called Oman.
1: Pretty decent, but I was that's still waiting way, for it? Uzbekistan to pop in there.
0: Um what do you do so... <laughs> if you
1: play Uzbekistan? <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, so everyone's like, get back on track. Get back uh, on track. So the idea is because the expanded format for the World Cup, yeah. uh the AFC Asian Football Co- uh, Federation is going to have eight and a half spots so theoretically the United States could find themselves with a competitor from the AFC so mm. the idea theoretically was this was going to be one of the windows because everyone else is playing some type of qualifier or Nations League or some type of of bigger glorified friendly. That this would be a chance for the United States to play someone from that region to have an understanding of the type of football that they were going to play. Uzbekistan mm. five three two three five two in the in the transition versus four four two in a diamond of Oman. So that's how it was explained to us. Now, yeah, but that's that's
0: that's the, that's the PR bump, Danny, that you have to give when you're getting paid by TNT to do the game, and that's absolutely fine. You know, uh, if you want to pay me. I will promote and support the the line for anything. But this is yeah. Wicken the Tackle Baby. We're a bit free freewheeling here. Fast but also they pay Eng- you, so... Yeah, fast, fast
1: forward to um, England's schedule. Looks forward to Friday, November 17th. Plays Malta. Plays Malta. The, here, fast forward qualifier? to Monday, November 20th. Game? Plays North Macedonia. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, just so I can understand the context in which you hammer Concacaf, they are games and to qualify for friendly. the European oh. Championship. Okay, well, we we don't have those things to do. No, but you Although, but so- actually, no, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Actually, we do. We have Concacaf Nations League qualifiers, and there'll be a game Good. in Austin and a Good. game in the Caribbean. But we don't know who's playing at that point. Good proper yeah, games, check, actual schedule. Games. Yeah, the Malta, games Malta North Macedonia. Yeah,
0: what's the but what? But like your 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 point is, you know, that it's worth. You guys playing a friendly terrible
1: games as Why well. is
0: it why is it that every time I make a point that gets to your gut that hurts you do like you, the
1: reverse you do you, you try do to do the reverse psychology what about her, and then I see you
0: do it on Twitter immediate and you try to reverse psychology even look you doing it and then the people see is, through your sh- The topic sorry, is the topic is the topic is why are the US playing Uzbekistan and Which you're I like told oh, you. England are playing North Macedonia no, uh, it's just it's 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 sad in a way because i'm trying to have and a conversation with you about yeah. about why these games are well i told place. you what
1: i i told you what US no, soccer, you, you told
0: me that you told me i can read a fucking press release mate okay. sorry tim i mean the, the question is these games you worked at them what well, what was the I, actual point away from there's nothing wrong with making money and i suppose selling out almost 30 of the st louis stadium made some money hmm. um for the uzbekistan game so like the, the the broader question, without you getting all touchy, would be, wouldn't it be been better off here just to not play? Because there are decent games coming up. No. There's actual games coming up, even no. against, like, poor quality opponents. But they mean something. Like, did you actually learn something apart from where Oman is on a map? And did you know before?
1: Yeah, see, I, I, I see, again, what you're doing. And I'm trying to explain to you what U.S. Soccer's saying. And what I'm, I'm saying you that. is yeah, that, yeah, no, you a li- if you'd shut up, I'd tell you. You knucklehead, here you go, just just be quiet, and I'll tell you. Tell me Just keep stop talking, and I'll tell you. The reality is, for me, you've got Greg Berhalter coming back. You've Hmm. got an opportunity to get the guys back together. And here's where I think the continued growth and what we're, and I keep saying this on the broadcast, the eyeball test. The eyeball test for U.S. soccer is to, at a bare minimum, each and every game, the standard's been set. The standard was their performance at Qatar. Their standard was their performance winning Nations League again and beating Mexico and beating Canada and becoming the regional champion with, quote-unquote, the first team of European players. Now, the Gold Cup is a different animal. You lose in penalties to Panama, not good enough, but not the same team, not nearly the same quality of the players that we're seeing over in Europe. So you have a bunch of different variables at play. Number one, Greg Burhalter has been named manager. He finally gets his hands on the team, albeit without Giovanni uh, Reyna, Gio Reina. He's still returning from injury. And obviously that spider web of a situation is still hovering around the team. I would suggest that once he's healthy and fit, he's most likely going to be in the squad for Mm. Germany and Ghana. So that's another hurdle or speed bump that both he and the manager have to figure out how to navigate. Although the continued mantra, both behind the scenes and publicly from the coaching staff and the players was nobody's bigger than the team no individual is bigger than the team. And even Mm. Weston McKinney, who was sent home from a qualifier in Nashville against Canada because of whatever happened behind the scenes, even he was like, no, listen, I'm a good example of that. No one's bigger than the team. There is a punishment that coincides with decisions that are made individually within the context of the group. Secondly, back to the eyeball test. There becomes... And and I was fortunate enough to actually sit down with Greg Berhalter, uh, with the group, um, Demarcus Beasley, Kyle Martino, Melissa Ortiz, Sarah Walsh, and our, our production group, and actually go through clips with him after Uzbekistan going into the Amman game. And listen, I get it. it. There, there's, there's, it's a really fascinating conversation because social media not good enough. Someone better. This sucks. What have we done? Why did we rehire him? Mm. Within the group, everybody is bought in. And the game model, and and you and I talked about zones and all this thing, like the 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 continued proliferation of the verbiage surrounding what you know, how how we express what we're seeing on there, then in layman's terms, to a group of fans that then digest, compute, and then regurgitate however they want. Sitting with Greg and having him walk through I think it was like five different clips of with and without the ball what they were trying to do, and the idea within his game model of keeping possession, recycling possession, drawing teams out, how they play through the press, all of these things. As he's explaining it, you have an innate understanding of what they're trying to do. Now, it's up to us then to explain it on air, what Mm -hmm. we're seeing, what's success, what's failure, how even the verbiage that he's using behind the scenes doesn't compute to those watching at home because it's it's just a different it's a different context or a different layer than what they're used to seeing or hearing um so as I'm listening to it I'm understanding and then watching the application specifically in the game of Oman what they were trying to do and the buildup and the run of goals all of those different and, and even implementing what was it soft set serve with something that you know from Brentford that they do where it's the big set or the big switch, the, the player either gets the end line, then sets the ball back to an atta- a wide player or an outside back who then serves the ball in the box. This trifecta of a buildup, just those little implementations of things. Um, so as I'm watching the game model being applied in real time... You know, It's variation of service, it's quality of the attack, it's bossing the game around, speeding it up, slowing it down. How do you play through the press? How do you control the transition defending? How do you get numbers forward and still stay balanced without the ball? All of these things that uh, I'm thinking of tactically, especially as a former center back, how would the balance look? Who's going to step? Where do I want my defensive midfielder? What's the rotation look like? All of these things, uh, at the end of the day,
0: Mm.
1: performance matters. Score line matters. Um, But I think the eyeball test is most important right now when it comes to a U.S. fan base that's trying to, I think, quantify or qualify what they're seeing as success versus failure, ultimate success versus a struggle. And right now, I still think we're watching a team that has now won a regional championship in Nations Mm -hmm. League and the Gold Cup, Youngest team to qual- the youngest age team to qualify for a World Cup, second youngest team to get out of the group stage at the World Cup. If Christian's goal, if he scores that goal against Holland, maybe it's a little bit different, but statistically a team that performed really well on the night but still lost, how do they win knockout games? How do they control yeah. matches better? How do they score more goals? And then ultimately, when you watch them play, you go, yeah, they were excellent today. And I think these are the games, for me, these are the games where it's almost a no-win situation because you're Mm -hmm. supposed to win. Style, substance, quantity, quality, all of those things, but most importantly, the eyeball test, because it's almost a no-win situation. To your point, Uzbekistan, Oman, when these popped up, you're like, what's the point of this game? Like, What are you going to get out of this game? And so... I understand that big picture, but when I'm in the midst of it and I'm understanding what they're trying to do and I'm listening to what they're trying to do, it mm-hmm. feels different than being on the outside and just saying, well, this is a waste. Because I don't, I don't think it's a waste, but mm-hmm. I definitely agree with you that what they were bad at against Uzbekistan and Oman, they will certainly be punished against Germany and Ghana in a yeah. month's time.
0: I just think that this particular group that, you know, you you obviously work intimately with the group and I very much want to thank, I think it was John on uh, Elon's website who sent me a picture of you standing next to Greg Bearholter at the desk on TNT and says, hey, Tom, I'd never seen you without your glasses before, which was super funny. So thanks. (laughs) That's pretty good. Thanks for sending that in. I wish I was as good looking as Greg uh, or Donny for that matter. Great, great Uh, shoe game, by the way. Yes, I got sent a message about your shoes as well, saying you'd, you'd smartened up your trainers as opposed to. Because you can't wear the white Nike jobs, can you? They were black no, I can't. With I can't. I can't
1: wear them. I can't wear them with Apple, but oh, I well, can wear it. them with. TNT, Quite smart but I, You were wearing
0: the kind of match of the day outfit, the black <laughs> shoes with the white rim.
1: Yeah, they they were they, those are my those are my high tops that aren't Nike. Super comfortable, yeah.
0: I mean, you look great. We were disappointed there was no salmon soup. You did look Mm. great on the TV. Cheers. Um, But I suppose the the issue for me with these games is that the group hasn't changed a great deal. The old manager is back. We know. Look, we're going to have a lot of conversations going into the World Cup in the next three years or so and... Um, there's good players there There are a couple of really great players away From getting beyond the World Cup quarterfinal Still nothing has really changed on that score I think the Ghana and Germany game Is going to be really interesting We'll try and squeeze in the Germany question later But in the end I don't think we learned a great deal From playing these games And to your point from earlier on About when you've got to play Malta and San Marino And North Macedonia if you're England You've got to play them Because you're required to do qualifiers In the same way you've got to qualify For a Conor yeah. bowl or whatever That's fine but a friendly against 73rd and 74th in the world. I think people voted with their feet in, in St. Louis, and I think that it was a, a misstep because I think the U.S. are better, and sp- they're so much better than these two opponents. I think a couple of, suppose it 3-0 and 4-0, a couple of spankings, was it you? I don't think it does a great deal for you. Can, they're a top-30 team, so play top-30 teams.
1: Can I point can I point one thing out? Hmm. Mexico tied Uzbekistan
0: 3-3. Yeah, but, I mean, I wouldn't go there either. Yeah. Uh,
1: Gonna... But but to your point about the roster, I, here here's one thing that and this was something that I was really intrigued about watching. Um, number one, Ricardo Pepe, who was left off the World Cup roster, who got his move to PSV. He's now six goals and six matches for the mm-hmm. United States men's national team. That's that's a real positive because when we talked about you know who was playing the number nine, the number nine was more of like a stand up, hold up, rule you know contain and then Waya or Pulisic or Weston or Eunice. So. That, that's that's one. Um, Flo Balogun has now started four consecutive matches with Wea and Polisic, which is the ideal trifecta. Sure. We continue to see Yunus Musa in a role that could potentially be a little bit deep. By the way, Luca De La Torre, I know he's at Celta Vigo. You don't get to see a lot of him. His left foot is so tidy, so clean. He ended up getting his nose broken about 15 minutes in the game against Uzbekistan. Uh, but Yunus Musa playing a deeper role. So should we lose uh, a Tyler Adams? Now we know Eunice can absolutely play. And then maybe the most importantly that I think is like a really sly, not understood um, conversation piece for me. Hmm? And I know that he's not playing right now at Crystal Palace. But Chris Richards uh, from Crystal Palace and Miles Robinson from Atlanta United. Miles Robinson had torn his Achilles. I fully expect him to most likely be in the Premier League come January because his contract is going to be up with Atlanta United. Those two players started once again as the two center backs. Had they been available, healthy, and available at the World Cup, I think those would have been your two starting center backs. I think it would have been Chris Richards and Miles Joseph. So while you say there's nothing to really get out of it, there, yeah. there's a couple little data points in there. Again, take away this the the lack of the quality of the opponent. That Now, as a U.S. fan, as as the U.S. fan base is seeing, there's a couple things that are, I think, getting us a little bit more excited about what the, I think, continued evolution of the group looks like, while mm-hmm. then adding uh, Malik Tillman, seeing a Brendan Aronson have a little bit more of an impact role, and then a couple of individual players... That are starting to like we never had a backup at left back to like replace Anthony Robinson. It was usually like Sergio Des sliding over. Now we have a kid at Palermo named Christopher Lund, who's a Danish international that switched allegiances and now is he he played nine minutes against Uzbekistan. He was fantastic against Oman, very vertical, very straightforward, sniffs out a good pass, good combination play behind Polisic. So now you have like a, a real backup left back. That can compete with Anthony Robinson something that was the one position we really didn't have someone at so I get you but like positivity there's a couple of things that we saw in this camp that I'm intrigued to see what happens when Germany and Ghana show up
0: I tell you what folks if you aren't enthused now that's how positive he gets about games against literally like no one imagine how good he's going to be on the telly when it's Ghana and Germany in October. I mean, it's it's worth getting on HBO Max right now if you're listening in the UK or indeed however you get TNT in the US. I don't know, but get it and watch our pal Dunny on the telly uh, for those games. And he won't even have to lie in those ones. They're actually going to be interesting, (laughs) which is good. Um, I will just mention briefly, I've chatted to a few people at Palace about Chris Richards and Mark Gay um, they think they're going to be able to fatten him up to sell him in the next 18 months or so. And I think they don't think they're going to need to buy a replacement um, with the development of Chris Richards at 22 now, maybe 23. So they yeah, think maybe there, in there the next 18 months, you'll yeah, start starting center off for You know, what's
1: interesting is I, I think the there was a feeling around the end of the transfer window that he would be on the move. And yeah. so there's a good, the, I'm, I'm excited for him. Because I I think that he's got the right mentality. He's bigger than I than I remember him being.
0: Yeah, he's
1: filled into some, his body. Put on
0: some, um, some proper on some weight, some chest weight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: He's he's a bit he's he's big now. So I'm mean, I'm excited for him to compete for a spot to play. Um, mm. the the problem is Hodgson doesn't really rotate. Doesn't really.
0: No, but I mean I really think. There, but it's a good I chance just, for him to compete. There'll be a, there is there is a sale a coming with Crystal Palace and there's a spot opening up and I think you'll you'll see him play with Anderson a little bit more over the next few months or so uh listen I want to move on some other bits because we're only got another 20 minutes or so together before we do though because you were there um is there anything else we haven't covered for the US any more bump you want to give us about these two games
1: no I think that's about it I mean it's uh your guy your favorite player in the world Weston McKinney was specter
0: yeah, I mean, look, I've he, he, I just every time I've seen him in person, he's been rubbish. And mm. in the league, even though he seems to be getting around a lot, you know, if you look at running stats for like Thomas Socek, for example, who we talk about a lot on this program, he's number one in every game because mm. he shuffles left and shuffles right and he's constantly on the move. But stats don't prove anything. There's a, a friend of mine called Brian Dunseth who always tells me that eyeball test is more important than stats. And when I've watched him, he ain't been great. Mm. So... We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but he looked terrible at Leeds. Um, hater. Right. hater. Um, I want to talk briefly about the England game. Not the game itself, because I don't oh, watch training. You're going to defend Harry
1: Maguire, out. aren't you?
0: Well, I was going to do that you're... second. We might as well do that first, because the, the Maguire thing is You're going to do
1: it. You've murdered him for the past four years, and now you're going to protect You know what's him.
0: funny is that I actually haven't murdered him for oh. four years. Okay. You have murdered him. Hmm. Man United fans have murdered him. I have been, as always realistic about <laughs> Harry Maguire over the over the years and we could go back seven shows and we thought yeah. we was going to get him. Damn, this um,
1: f-ing guy. This fucking guy. Sorry. Tim, I have not Tim. hammered
0: him anyway. Oh, I'm, I'm one of the low hammerers. It, oh, I okay. might be like uh, a very tiny little plastic mallet you use oh. to put pegs in in a tent. You've been like a fucking sledgehammer on this poor poor guy. Oh,
1: only based on performance, sorry, nothing more, nothing less.
0: Yeah. What about when you went out for him for one pint in Mykonos, eh? What about oh. that? That wasn't my fault. thought was
1: that? Yeah, I ran. You you don't have to be the fastest, just don't be the slowest.
0: You should not have gone to Mykonos with Bratos and Maguire. Everyone knows it was was going to go crazy. Um, No, but look, the point of this and the interesting point about it and what I think you'll be quite interesting on uh, away from the top bands um, is that... I always do this about Man United fans as well. The social Uh, media and fans in the stadium are really interesting. uh, Uh, And I was at the um, Arsenal game, as you know, the Man United game, when Maguire came on, huge ovation from uh, the Arsenal fans, Maguire coming on. He has sort of become this sort of punching bag, which is odd because in the end, he's going to have had a good career. It might not be spectacular, but for England, he is going to be a legendary figure for England for what he's achieved over this five, six, seven year period, Uh, whatever it's been with Southgate, feels like forever, but five years. he comes on, scores a known goal, and I, I wasn't watching the game live because, again, I value my time. It's international break. It's training. But um, I did go to my phone on Elon's website, and there was literally the top trending subject in the world, basically. Certainly in the UK was Maguire. Uh, and there was a video that really made me laugh of uh, people running down an escalator and all getting stuck at the bottom of the escalator. And It was like people coming on social media to comment on Maguire, which is true. And then Gareth Southgate came out afterwards and had some incredible quotes, I thought. He said, "Um, I've never known a player treated the way he is. He's been an absolute stalwart for us in the second most successful England team for decades. He's been a key part of that. I've talked about the importance of our senior players. He is crucial in that group. Every time he goes in the field, the resilience he shows is incredible. He's a top player. Uh, We're all with him and our fans are brilliant to him. And some England fans, a decent amount of them, uh, were absolutely uh, supportive of Maguire vocally when he got booed and jeered onto the field from from the Scotland fans. But, like, my, my, my question to you, really, away from the fun of it, and look, he gets 150 grand a week, so I'm not going to back away from having some fun about Harry Maguire at all. That's the bargain. Mm-hmm. That's the bargain that the modern player strikes with us all, that we can talk about him on a podcast to, you know, listeners around the world, and we can do it on American radio and in Ghana or whatever, around the world, because you get five or six million pounds this year, That is the bargain, okay? There's a line, but I don't think we cross it with with saying he's crap or whatever. So the the question for you is, how did it become like this? How did we get to this position where he is such a figure of fun? And how much is Maguire the cause of it continuing, considering that there was exit strategies for him to be slightly lower profile, rebuild his reputation, and in the end, he's wanted to continue this?
1: Yeah, listen, this is a this is a tangled web. Because the reality is he is a good player and he was worth every penny of the 80 million that Manchester United spent. At the time, he was the need and the correct signature to make that team better. And the team's evolved. The team's evolved since then and the competition for his position he has been outplayed outperformed on a consistent basis where he is no longer the starter nor the captain of Manchester United and that's okay there's yeah. nothing wrong with that here here here's where i and and listen i do think he catches too much stick i do feel as though he it, it's it's now it's a comedic part of his appearance it's it's very easy to oh here we go again because the inconsistency of his performances and the lack of playing time have led to a player that is not in his best run of form far from it mm. and any player will tell you that it doesn't matter how much you train it doesn't even matter how much that you do the 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 under 23s or you do the you know the closed sessions against another team scrimmages all that stuff it doesn't matter there's still a confidence level that comes along with something as simple as the word rhythm. If you don't have rhythm, it doesn't matter how good of a football you are. There's still going to be those moments where you're either reactive as opposed to proactive. Hmm. There's a slight hesitation. Do I step? Do I stay? And in those moments, when you start to get in your own head, you start to make simple mistakes. Now, the problem for defenders, and this has always been for defenders, it's one of the most difficult positions, right? Because you can be perfect for 89 minutes. 89 minutes, 59 seconds. be per- Well, or the 12 added-on minutes if you're the Premier League. Um, but then that one second deflection, own goal, redirection. Oh, yeah. and, he's, and you're completely unlucky. And all of a sudden, you go from being phenomenal with and without the ball to all of a sudden being the worst player on the field because you are closest and it couldn't even be your fault. You could be in the vicinity on the super slow-mo where they'll say, why didn't you step to your left? Why didn't you slide to your right? Why wouldn't you put immediate pressure? And then you, it's up to the pulpit to, to decide the culpability of your decision-making and where you were on that goal. So these are all really difficult in that position. But here's my problem with Gareth Southgate. Mm. If this is true, that we are only going to refer to Harry Maguire's time as his importance to the squad for what he's done, well, that's really unfair to a crop of players that right now aren't being chosen because they're not playing consistently or they're quote-unquote not better than the players that are being called in. Mm. And I know there's a gray area. And I know it's not a one size fit all And I know you got to micromanage the personality within the collective, and that's a really important. That's what Gareth Southgate really tries to 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 do an amazing job at, and is the utmost importance is his communication with his players. But if Harry Maguire is that important to the team, I'll throw out a name, and it's not like for like, right? This isn't this isn't apples to apples, oranges to oranges. What about Eric Dyer? Isn't mm. Eric Dyer, quote unquote, as important to the collective? Even Connor though Cody. He's, he's not He was
0: top manager in the European Championship, didn't play a minute, but everyone loved him in the camp, so put him in.
1: Yeah. So now, now you look at Lewis Dunk, okay? He, uh, unbelievable players, right? You could say Tamori, you could say Levi Colwell. Who was best served in the run of form right now mm. to step on the field? If we're talking about service in the moment, not service in the past. Yeah. Because I can tell you when, when I I went away at halftime of the England game when I came back on I was like hmm like you, obviously you can tell immediately that Harry Maguire's on the field. Like, Donnie, let, let, let me just ask you a question why, on that. Why would you is, turn to Harry Maguire right now in this game, in this moment?
0: On that, is it bad management to do this? Uh, and by that, I mean, like, mm. we're all talking about Maguire. Loyalty. He's back page news constantly, but yeah. he was happy to take away, you mentioned Eric Dyer, Raheem Sterling. Mm-hmm. Raheem Sterling has gone from one of the most crucial players under Gareth Southgate, basically captaining and leading the side during the European Championships, um, where they were robbed in the final by the cheating of Giorgio Chiellini. and I've not moved on. Um, but he was crucial and now he can't get in the squad and there are players in the squad that aren't as talented as Raheem Sterling and Sterling was it was great in the West Ham game I went to recently so yeah. you know why is it that Raheem Sterling when he's not playing well gets uh a little time out the England spotlight a little yeah. couple of weeks yeah. off he doesn't play in this this you know glorified friendly against Scotland but friendly nonetheless and yet Maguire is in just, you know I I'm I'm sure there is a force of personality there, but I mean, Jordan Henderson's there. So you've got a captain. Harry Kane is there. You've got a captain. You've got leaders. You've got Kyle Walker. You've got veterans. You've got the old guard. Is it not in Maguire's interest right now just for us to not look at him? And then in a few weeks time, he has a great game against West Ham in the league. And you think, oh, okay, there's Maguire. I remember that guy.
1: Well I mean listen the, the the reality is it's still you know like a, a similar thing happened with the US team like Chris Richards isn't playing for Palace right mm. Unis Moussa isn't getting a, a lot of minutes right now for AC Milan since coming over from Valencia so and and they're still in the team and they're still starting right both players playing significant minutes so I can understand this but even the other day at Manchester United there's and, and listen I give Harry Maguire all the credit in the world because he's got a really top mentality mm-hmm. to be able to w- take away the money aspect, take away, you know, whatever that looks like, financials, what, see, what he's owed. He's owed every penny of the contract, by the way, just to be very clear. He mm-hmm. signed the contract. Manchester United owes him every single penny of that guaranteed contract. So yeah. if he's not getting it, don't leave. I'm all for that. I understand that. But take the money away. To be demoted and to lose your position, to also lose the captain's armband. Egotistically, Mm. two of those things are massive things to overcome. To show up, to show the professionalism, and to show the mentality to be there every single day to continue to compete, not not sulk, not pout, not motherfuck everybody around you. Sorry, Tim. um, And you try to be the best version of you. I give him the utmost credit in the world. Mm. But right now, the difficulty in this is that you're not watching Harry Maguire step on the field and having the feeling from all of us on the outside looking in saying, he's going to lock this game up. Oh, there's three points in the back pocket. They're not going to score. This is going to be a shutout in the second 45 minutes. Or from the opening of the match, no one's getting by him. Tough tackling, winning all his headers, good distribution playing out of the back. Like, yeah, Harry Maguire, I feel great right now. You don't have that feeling like you do with Rafael Veron or that you do with Licha Martinez. Like mm. It's different. Now with the feeling, you almost are waiting for the mistake from Harry Maguire. You're mm. waiting for him to overcompensate, step into the midfield, get turned like a top, chase, grab, pull, cajole, shown a yellow card. You're almost waiting for him in possession to hit a blind ball or hit a blind pass or play a ball under pressure to a goalkeeper that puts a goalkeeper in a bad position. You're waiting for when that ball comes in from wide service for him to get a touch that unfortunately redirects past his own goalkeeper. That's where it's at right now. So the culpability in this situation only comes down to the managers. Yeah. Harry Maguire is going to do what Harry Maguire has done and credit to him. But at what point is he shown on the field week in, week out that he's moved on through this rough patch? And we're now a year and a half into this rough patch, maybe arguably almost two seasons into this rough patch where things aren't feeling or looking better. And it felt like almost his his safe space was the England national team. Mm-hmm. The England national team call-up was the opportunity for him to re-kick his confidence in by his performances, the feel-good factor of wearing the crest, being around his boys, puffing his chest out and be like, you got y'all forgot like I'm still Harry Maguire. Yeah, but it doesn't feel that way right now.
0: No, might that I'm a favor to tell a couple of weeks off. Either way, I'm not sure it's worked out for him this time.
1: You, um, well, really quick. I just pontificated. Do you want him in the starting 11? Do no. you want to see Harry Maguire in the field? Are you no. confident when you see him on the field?
0: No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I agree with all of it. I can't. I'd love to argue with you, but I think you're absolutely right. The only thing I would do different to, to all of it is that. The whole being around his boys thing. I think you have got to earn your place in the England squad, and right now it's been given out for whatever reason. Gareth Southgate's chosen him. He's already got leaders. He's already got captains. And maybe it's because in his final ten months, maybe when we get to the the European Championship, he's definitely going to play unless something catastrophic happens between now and then. Um, I think it's I think it's bad management, frankly. I think mm. we're in a situation now where Southgate knows its end game. Southgate is planning for this final tournament, knowing that he should have won the last European Championship. Uh, and we'll go into the next one, along with France's favourites to win the tournament. Um, and I think that this might well be a sore on his back that will need Lansing before we get there. Um, and maybe this own goal now gives him the opportunity to say, look, you ain't playing the Q's long. I mean, to be fair, he didn't start the game, but he should never have come on. Hmm. Um, but By the, the way, quiet, I see I what you himself. did there.
1: I see what you did there. You played Scotland. The on his back,
0: the Lansing comment. I, see, I am.
1: I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you i mean Good what stuff. do you
0: know about the first war of scottish independence do you know much about it did you learn much about it during the build-up to the game
1: um i know that they wore some really cool kits both teams and braveheart
0: yeah. braveheart is set during the first war mm. of scottish independence after uh, uh the king of england at the time uh known affectionately not really as longshanks edward mm. the first he invaded wales and taken wales after some skirmishes there Uh, And we still own Wales. Whatever way you slice it, Wales, you know it to be true. Um, And then in Scotland, there was an issue with the throne in Scotland. They don't teach this in school, by the way. I just did this in my own time. Um, And uh, he basically went to set away dispute in Scotland about who was going to be the king of Scotland. One was Robert the Bruce's dad. Um, And that's why Robert the Bruce is so pivotal in the War of of Scottish Independence in this era, which is around 1296 to about 1320, something like that. Uh, And it basically went out there and was like, you know what? I think it should be me. Hmm. He's basically the Harry Maguire of Kings in this instance. He looked at Mark Gay. He looked at the potential of his partnership with Lewis Duncan and was like, you know what? It should be me, Maguire Shanks. <laughs> That's why this game is so perfect in its timing. Um, and there was a, a friend of mine was there. I had lots of friends there, actually, uh, at the game, some working, some some drinking. Uh, and I've got to read you this because this was a Scottish fan who was sitting next to my friend. Uh, Bearing in mind, again, uh, Long Shanks, Edward I, the First, the first... War of Scottish Independence comes around the year thirteen hundred. Hmm. Scottish fan next to him kept shouting. He tells me during the game, "Yeah, fucking long shanks, duds." <laughs> Got to cut out two of those there. But uh, sorry, Tim. Sorry, Tim. Sorry, Tim. As they'd say in Scotland. Uh, but like con- con- constantly screaming about long shanks. It's been how many years? Nine hundred years. Let <laughs> it go, guys. Eight seven hundred.
1: But anyway. by, by the way quick pivot Jude yes. Bellingham. Yes. For 4 years? Balondor.
0: Oh no. You did that I'm four so years. pleased you did that. 4 years. I'm so pleased you did that because that was going to be my next question here on Jude Bellingham. 4 because, years. Because look. I firstly Bellingham City um, you're excited. Recently. You're no, so I'm excited. You're,
1: you you are you're so excited. Well, hold on, but uh, let you, me don't tell you why I'm want, not. You don't want to be excited because no, there's just, hope. No, Jim Bellingham not. is finally giving you hope.
0: I don't believe that's true. We had had hope when we were in that European Championship final, and somehow managed to blow it because Kiolini is a dirty, Chiellini. despicable cheat He should have been sent of off, man. banned from football for life. Um, that was assault; should be in prison. He should be in Belmarsh. Yeah. Chiellini is where it it a horse caller.
1: Come on, what are we doing?
0: Um, tactical it should yellow in, should be in prison. That was near. That was that was assault. Is what it was. Tactical um, yellow. But the Bellingham thing. Look, great player. Looks like he's going to be a terrific player, and all yeah. that. But what annoys me about the conversation about Bellingham at the moment is, firstly, Birmingham City retiring his shirt at 16, still really stupid. OK, I'm not having Chaps it. Your ass. It was proper dumb. And now and I saw a few people being like, oh, we all thought Birmingham City were idiots for doing this. But now look at the legendary. Yeah, not for Birmingham, though. OK, he played <laughs> up 20 games for Birmingham. You sold him at 16. He's not a Birmingham legend. You idiots for doing it. Okay. Borussia Dortmund legend, maybe Real Madrid legend, maybe Birmingham. He was certainly there. Um, but what annoys me about the Bellingham thing at the moment is that I've read so many. Here's one Jude Bellingham is not just a generational talent, he may well be the best of any generation. Now, no. Okay. No. Let's make that assessment in a decade's time. How many mm. times do England have to do the Gaza thing. Like, how many times do we have to do the Paul Gascoigne, build him up to knock him down? How many times do we have to... The sheer amount of hyperbole going into Jude Bellingham, who, look, was terrific at Borussia Dortmund when they choked the Bundesliga, but was terrific in that in that team, and, and he couldn't have done much more. He was injured a lot yeah. of the time during the, the, the run-in. Um, an incredible start at Real Madrid, and I'm not doubting his brilliance and ability for a second. And, you know, like you, I think he could be a cornerstone of a a trophy winning England team at some point in the next decade. And it'd be fantastic if that happens. And, and, you know, hopefully next time we make a final, England doesn't have a collective psychic psychotic break and stick flares up our arses during the game and smash Wembley Stadium up and, you know, just get the right level of smash. about that. Yeah. But um, it lives long in my memory, the horrible night that it was, certainly in Soho in central London, trying to get out of there, get out of Dodge at midnight after that. I think I got the last, it was like the last helicopter out of Saigon uh, getting back to to East London. But like part of me, Danny, I just think that, look, great. He's great. Can we not talk about him being great in the moment and potentially great? Why are we at this point doing that? He could be the best player in Hmm. the 150 years of all English football. Like mm. I, I don't really get the benefit of it, and everyone was like, "I was there when he played this through ball to Harry Kane." And I didn't watch the game live because, again, it's training. But I, but I put the, um, <laughs> I watched the highlight of it, thinking, "Oh, I'm gonna see like I'm gonna see Maradona here yeah. in '86. I'm gonna see, you know, Messi or whatever." And look, it was good. He picks it up, he turns a couple of jocks in midfield, and plays a through ball to to Kane, I think, who scores. But reading about it on Twitter, it was like. I was reading a great work of Shakespeare or something. You know, people giving me the first line of their Jude Bellingham book—they've already started to publish. Hmm. Like, am I wrong? It just—I just want people just to just, just temper it a little bit.
1: <laughs> I think you're about to lose your iconic status of Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard as the best midfielders since Gaza, is what you're concerned about. Is that?
0: Yeah, I mean, of- no, I just—I just don't get why we do it and why we have to do it. And it we're gives-
1: excited. We're excited yeah. because his player profile looks a little bit different. The way he plays is just a little bit different. And no disrespect to Gerard and Lampard because they were extraordinary in their own right. So was Paul. I'm a Paul Scholes guy. I love Paul Scholes. Extraordinary, but never really translated as much as we thought it was going to translate. Because there's there's hype. And by the way, James Madison and that midfield as well. Like all of a sudden, starts pinging the ball around, looking a little bit different. I I just I think because. Bellingham is at Real Madrid, and we were wondering, we were wondering what the jump would look like, right? Okay, so is that Borussia Dortmund? It's a farmers league. Then he goes to Real Madrid, and all of a sudden, it's like, well, hold on, like Cruz and Modric, and yeah, all, you know, he looks the part and man of the matches and scoring goals, and all of a sudden, it's a machine now. Now there's a level of expectation. So when he comes back to the England side, all of a sudden, you're like. Well, he's going to do what he's doing at Real Madrid. He's going to do it with England and make everybody better. And now he's got Harry Kane up top. This is going to continue to be an evolution of what this offensive phase of play looks like. But he's on both sides of the ball. He's got a little bit of bite, a little piss and vinegar, a little pushing and shoving after the ball and pick up a yellow card. So all of a sudden, you're like, I like him. He's me. I like him. Like that's, no, that's mm-hmm. how I'd play. Like I like him. So, yeah, I think that's the hype around it because we're... You know when you watch a player, you're like, Ah, oh, that's his level. Like yeah. n- not not against them, but you're like good player. Yeah. But like not extraordinary player. Bellingham's already a good player and he's kind of in that extraordinary he's starting to hit that extraordinary level like okay, what is his ceiling? And I think because he's so young and he's so good and he's so intelligent and he has this physical profile that's so unique that that's why I think everyone's hyping around him.
0: I do think it's quite funny as well that I was chatting to a friend of mine this morning who's a Leicester fan. It was like, Oh, I see everyone's going mad about Bellingham. They also discovered that James Madison was good now. He's a Tottenham player. And I was like, Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I had Rails for like two weeks with Arsenal fans. Oh, Decker Rice is rubbish. He just got voted there player of the month. Yeah. Scored the winning goal against Man United. It was like oh, so turns far. out he is good. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah we everyone else we knew, yeah. but he's only good if he plays for a certain team in a certain way. It always pisses me off. Um Kind of quick bits I wanted to get to before we're out of time today. Let's just do international break stuff because the real stuff starts next week. Yeah. Um, the Hansi Flick story is interesting, especially considering you're going to be covering the the Germany USA game next month. Yep. Um, what was amazing to me, Danny, the first manager in the history of the German national team, which goes back 126 years, to be sacked. Um, walked away from his cushy job at Bayern Munich. They then went on to beat uh France a couple of days later by two goals to one in a um were you surprised by that i mean it's 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 a time at the german national team where the old guard have gone and the new guard aren't as good as the old guard there's a big generational gap Bit like kind of back in 2000 when that one team had retired and they've been all conquering for a decade and it was a bit like oh um let's try and get another tournament out of was it Lota Mateus or something he was playing yeah. it was in central midfield with like 40 um might have been him um and he Lota. played sweeper and they'd lost yeah. against england and she scored and all that so just a quick word on that. It was quite surprising. And then the links are, well, let's get Narglesman, on let's get Klopp. And it's like, that, those guys aren't, aren't going to take that job right now.
1: Well, so I started watching, I know you and Tim love this. I started watching Amazon All or Nothing Germany. I started watching it during the break and actually watching it, I watched the first two episodes before the game against Japan. My God, it was so fucking boring. Sorry, Tim. It was extraordinarily boring the german national team camp wasn't fun oh my there were i like i was like what am i why am i wasting my time watching this this is terrible this was so boring i i i gutted through two episodes i'm like i'm done i'm out but i'll tell you what it didn't paint him in a great picture Mm. It, it didn't paint hansi flick in a good picture and like with, with the lack of results and the way that they did not perform or have not been performing, like I'm not surprised with how ruthless German football is that they would decide to go in a different direction. Never I did done love it.
0: Never sacked anyone.
1: Well, so here here's the best part Rudy Voller, you know, has spent so much time, obviously, German national team, his role at Bayer Leverkusen uh, takes over. And the first quote I read, which is so Rudy Voller, uh, because I spent, I think I told you, I spent like four months at Bayer Leverkusen back in, in 1998, heading into 99. He said something to the effect of, don't your pants now, boys. We're Germany and we play France next. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> that couldn't be more Rudy Voller from like how I remember Rudy Voller as a player uh and the sporting director at, at Bayer Leverkusen. Um it's, a, it's it's an interesting phase right now for Germany, and it has been for a while, right? Because you still have some iconic faces, and you have some dynamic players, and you have some highly experienced guys, and you have some, quote-unquote, lesser, well-known, but yet experienced guys. Hmm. But these guys, this roster doesn't strike fear into everybody the way it used to. Hmm. So I think now whatever however they verbalize what the transition period is or who's important who's not important who's your number nine where does thomas Mueller fit in this conversation where do you play yoshua kimmick all the, who's your goalkeeper you know all, all this is it mark Terstegan at this point you know antonio rudiger what's his role in this group in terms of leadership and accountability you know i i just it's, it's a big opportunity for a lot of players that don't, and the the inevitable Kai Havertz conversation, Ugh. What what is the best positions for these group of players that are very, very, very good players, but at the same time, a lot of other countries have gotten a lot stronger. So where do we kind of fall in line with this? So um, Jurgen Klopp's not going anywhere. I can't see him walking away from Liverpool. Maybe no. if this was midseason last year when things weren't going well, maybe that was a time where club and Klopp could have a different conversation, Liverpool and Klopp, about what was happening at the time. um But Nagelsman's still on gardening leave, if I'm correct. He's still getting paid from Bayern Munich, which, by the way, at some point, we got to talk about Timmy Tickles and his terrible hat. With kind of the new rules happening behind the scenes of what he's, he's able going to, be so to complain we're, about, we're, oh, we'll
0: do a big show. When oh it my gosh, I'm going to go with I'm going to go coming. with the winter break. What's that? November 26th, red Christmas. Or something like
1: that. Yeah, yeah, red Christmas for sure, yeah. for that's sure. Nice. But but you know uh, that that's for another day. We'll say, um, we'll but I could see I could see Nagelsman, but I could see them riding Rudy Voller for a while really? at least through the next. Well, I could definitely see him get through the next window because going to the United States, playing in Hartford, Connecticut. You know how much time. Great for you, b-
0: wouldn't it? If it was Rudy Fuller. Terrific access w- for you. W- we, were joking. Still.
1: we we were joking, I don't, but we were joking because of the quotes attributed to Jurgen Klinsman at South Korea. Yeah, what's the point back- of being
0: in South Korea? Yeah. Well, what's pu- the point? Pu-
1: pushing back the narrative of he's gotta <laughs> live in South Korea to be a you know, be there and have his hands in the South Korean culture and teams and domestic campaigns versus like being in California. And he was kind of pushing back on quotes like if you don't like it, fire me type of stuff. Yeah. And we're joking like, dude, what if Jürgen got fired?"
0: Oh, yeah. oh yeah.
1: And he'd be like, oh, 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 that'd,
0: be that'd be uh, amazing. That'd be amazing. It would
1: be amazing. It'd be great for all of us, but yeah.
0: let's make it happen. Klinsman and Vola one and two. With the yeah, games in october that'd be amazing uh we'll see what happens um one final quick story for a uh, time i just wanted to mention this because uh you know i i don't get into the international break greatly i'm all for the tournaments but the friendlies it's, it's you know yeah you're not you're not having it. you know i'm happy I, if you start paying me for it i'll bring some enthusiasm to the game if not uh i'll be doing a couple of great games this weekend on premier league live which i'm looking forward to um apart from west Ham man city oh dear um but a quick word for Eldefons lima Eldefons lima do you know Eldefons lima Tell me. Um, he's the captain of Andorra, okay. and this international break ended his international career after 26 years. Wow! That's as an fair. international, uh, Ildefons Lima. I don't know if I've said it right, but that's how little impression he's made in 26 years on me. 137 caps for Andorra. Played his last game. It's the longest career in men's international football. He's now 43 made his debut aged 17 in a 4-1 oh. loss in Estonia in 1997. Uh, and he scored, in fact, in the nation's second ever official fixture. He's played in every decade since. On Tuesday, he played his final international in a 3-0 loss by Switzerland. I wonder if he ever won a game. Um, and after 23 minutes, John Terry style, he was given a standing ovation and uh, replaced by um, whoever. Some other Andoran, I suppose. Um He is in the Guinness World Records for the longest international playing career. Um, The longest women's record, by the way, is Brazil midfielder uh, Formiga. Formiga. Yeah, Formiga. 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 Uh, 45 now. She played 26 years, 1995 to 2021, making 234 appearances for Brazil. Um, So there you go, Danny. Someone, this is one of those things now, and this is like happening to me a lot, that um tiago silver and i are like the same age yeah and uh there's a couple of other players that are quite high profile uh, wayne rooney and i are the same age which i think is quite funny we're like uh, born like a week apart um i think but similar levels of life success um and it's just it, this is this is one of yours this is like the last of like your group who uh are retiring so you're having this is probably the last one isn't it of the danny generation standing y- y- down
1: you know it's crazy couple things number one i dream about that, I'm still playing all the time. Like, I still, I'm like halfway, like in my mind, it's September 13th, sleeping tonight. I'll dream like once a week that I'm still playing. And I'm like, my contract's up at the end of the year. And I'm like, you know, I got to have that conversation with the sporting director about like re upping my deal. Like, I feel like they're going to keep me around one more year. But I'm 46. And in my mind, I'm like, I can not and then I start running and I'm like super slow-mo in my dreams. Like uh, trying to stay with people. Um, and then I like I, I got a reminder, someone tagged me in a post the other day, maybe like two weeks ago. 46. 23 years ago, I was at the Olympics covering Bam Bam Zamorano and US Chile in the the bronze medal match. And I forget in my mind I'm still twenty three.
0: And that was like last yeah, week in your mind, in your dreams. Yeah, I'm still, yeah. I'm still
1: 23, and yeah. like I then see these guys that are still playing at this level, and I'm like, even like being around Tim Ream the other day, like Tim Ream's 35 years old, yeah, still playing yeah. for Fulham in the Premier he's League. He's My gen, sco- he's my gen, Tim. He scored against Man City at the weekend mm-hmm. before going to the international break. Like, what the? F-? Sorry, Tim. Like. We're still, incredible. We're still young. Buddy. It's it's you, you guys are young little minxes right now.
0: I know. I have so much yeah. life ahead of I me. I mean, they
1: are. Sorry, I, not you. They, no. they, Those guys are. You, well, they're athletes. So they're you're, you're on the young. Down. Yeah, down I climbed the
0: stairs up. today. My, my heart is still pumping far too fast. Um, One final bit on Ildefon's name. Here's the bit I wanted to tell you. Um, How many times do you think he won in 137 caps for Andorra?
1: 137 caps. I'm going to say he's probably hovering in the low 20s i'm gonna say 23.
0: three. Seven.
1: Oh, shh. no
0: way seven wins uh, and that's in the entire history of the nation not just with, with him playing he has lost more than 100 international <laughs> matches across the 26 pretty much years. sounds
1: like my playing career as well
0: <laughs> playing from the age of 17 to 43 Mm. Uh, this won seven matches. And lost I guarantee
1: you, he can name every single one of those seven matches.
0: Yeah, I'll bet he can. God bless oh. him and all who's sowing him. Uh, yeah, my generation still going strong. Dream, mm. God bless him. Where are you this week? Where can we find you? What are you up to?
1: Yeah, I'm back with uh, Max Bredos. We're down uh, in Dallas. We got FC Dallas against Seattle. It'll be a good one, and then a busy week. I've got uh, Real Salt Lake at home. Then I'm back at Dallas. Uh, so. Yeah, a little, a little bit of a mix and match, but I'm back with you on SiriusXM FC Channel 157, Grumpy Pundits, from 7 a.m. Mountain Time to 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Uh, uh It's going to be a fun one Thursday and Friday.
0: Uh, and if you want me, I'll be with Premier League Live on Saturday doing Newcastle against Brentford. It was Everton-Arsenal. The game's got switched, so that's annoying because I was looking forward to, to Everton-Arsenal. I had Trevor Steven in to have a an Everton meltdown, which is always fun. Uh, that's available on XM in, in the USA on the FC channel. It's available in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Ghana. And You're not going to do
1: West Ham Man City? You, you took yourself
0: off that one? Uh, well, I, I have to work Saturdays. I have to be uh, somewhere. You know, if, they were, if it was on Sunday, I would have gone. I would have gone. No, no, frankly. no. Would you?
1: But you won't call a West Ham game, right? For no, those no I, is- mean,
0: I don't. Because on my team, on my Premier League live team, because I'm in charge of the bookings, yeah. I would rather not do it because. Uh, have you, though? You, my, you, yeah. Have. Yeah, you have. West yeah, Ham. How for hard my, is we-
1: it for How hard is it for you?
0: I mean, look, for money, I will do it, obviously. And if my boss asks me to do it, I'll do it. But I also think just because uh, I'm in this whole other industry with you and doing things like uh, doing a bit of personality, everyone knows the team I support. So even though if I was getting paid to be like neutral and professional, of course, I would do it. But, you know, part of it is a little bit. I just feel like I I don't want that to be part of the conversation for listeners. Didn't didn't you do like a West
1: Ham podcast this week, though?
0: I did do a yeah. West Ham podcast. I very See, much
1: enjoyed it. I'm a sneaky little rat. Like, I, I can sniff you out.
0: No, I, everyone knows. So I just try not to do it if I can. But of course, you know, for the right money, I would do yeah. it. I'm a prof- professional. You oh. know, I'll do it. I have done it. The only time, the first time I ever did a, did a West Ham game, really briefly, was West Ham Arsenal about 10 years ago. Uh, and Jack Collison scored the opening goal for West Ham. So this is how long it is uh, ago. Brilliant. Jack Collison in his day. And he scores. And I'm like, I went too far. I had just left my old job at LBC. I started at TalkSport and I was like, Jack Collison, Jack Collison for West Ham. Amazing. It was like a tap-in from like a yard out. It went far too far. Uh, we lost 5-1 oh. in the end. And by Thanks. the fifth goal, I was like, Euro 5-1. Yeah. So, you know. The
1: French banana hammock. Yeah. I also the score I-
0: I couldn't even get excited about Olivier Giroux, uh, And when that happens to you, that's when you know you need the life's old. over. Life's you over. You need the, the adverts on Sirius SiriusX uh
1: who, Really quick, who's got a better yes. head of hair? Who's got the best head of lettuce, Olivier Giroux or Emre Chan?
0: Oh, it's got to be Giroux for really? a variety. It, Giroud Ooh. is able to, even with the solidity and depth of the hair, able to try other looks. Emre Chan is a bit like Michael Arteta. it's just made of like plastic, hmm. popped on the top.
1: Good Lego helmet.
0: Yeah, that's true. But I don't comment on hair. I don't Uh, do West Ham games. I comment on people's hair. The balls. Because the because when the revolution comes, the balls will beat the heads. That's the way it goes. You Um, and Greg Brahalter. Can I wrap this fing show up? I've got things to do here. You ready? Yeah. Good. Sorry, Tim. Sorry, Tim. That's Brian Dunseth. I'm Tom Rennie. This podcast is Week in the Tackle. If you are a subscriber to the podcast channel, you can watch the show in full on YouTube. If you're watching it on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review and put five stars wherever you possibly can. Tim Horsey produced the program. It's he we say sorry to and we'll see you next week.
1: Loser.